Welcome to the Agent Success Podcast, where we talk about how to grow, prosper, and innovate in your real estate business. Learn how to find your ideal client, generate leads, and convert more sales from other agents in the business. My name is Brooke. I'm your host, and I hope you gain a ton of value from today's episode. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Agent Success Podcast. With me today, I have Mr. Larry Krieg, who is a wealth of knowledge and surely brought all of the helpful information on today's episode. He is the owner of PMI Clarksville, as well as Clarksville Real Estate, Inc., and he has a ton of experience in both property management as well as real estate sales. I hope that you enjoy today's episode, and without further ado, let's go. Could you please give us a bit of background um, on kind of what you were doing before you got into the real estate industry? Yes. uh, So I was military, retired. I had a rental property in town. That's how everything started going with that. So I didn't like anybody I talked to. So I decided (laughs) I'm going to just start my own property management company up. And ever since then, I haven't looked back. So you had one rental and you were looking for management. Correct. And you're interviewing folks. Yep. And, and never hired anybody. No. Wow. I never was comfortable with anybody I spoke to through that process. Hmm. So was out on a deployment and had a lot of time to think. So figured that's what I would do in my retirement. Hmm. Okay. So you had lived in the property and then went on deployment or something and then This one we bought specifically as a as a rental property. Okay. Okay. So didn't feel comfortable having anybody rent or manage your property for you. So you just decided to open up your own firm. Correct. That is very unique. That's a unique story. No (laughs) real estate, you know, history or no family members. I mean, it was just a straight jump into it and just do property management. Let's go. And just for one property. Correct. <laughs> you must have had like an entrepreneurial like driver spirit or something if you were going to do all that. I felt like if I had that experience trying to find folks to manage my home, that other people probably had the same kind of experience. So I wanted to be good at property management. I felt there was lots of property management companies in town and they just did it as a kind of subset of the real estate firm so they just did it out of necessity not because they wanted to Mm. so i was like i want to do property management to be good at property management yeah you know feed into real estate future that's really fascinating had you ever been like entrepreneurial before though like was this like starting a whole company because you think like there's a need for this right like you saw clearly that there was a need for it but thinking that and like taking the jump to do it is two different stories so like where did you get the drive and ambition to like do something like that uh honestly i don't know (laughs) i mean i just started out i just felt like this was the way to go it's awesome um everybody i'd spoke to you like said you're crazy why would you open up another property management company in town Mm. they said we already have quite a few and of course this was you know 10 years ago and so i was like you you didn't say we had a lot of good property management companies (laughs) you just said we had a lot of companies yeah For me, I was like, I just want to be good at it, focus that that side of the business and knew that that would feed into real estate, you know, down the road. Yeah. So you thought you wanted to build your own portfolio, too. You had the one. So. Correct. That was a big thing for me is knowing that um, 
we could continue to build our own rental portfolio, um, which we've you know, since then have got you know quite a few different houses. But um, that was the goal was just to be good at property management, and then you know start in, you know a separate real estate company a few years later, you know to focus more on real estate and having agents and developing them along the process. Okay, so how long after opening uh, PMI? PMI Clarksville. Correct. How long after opening the doors to the property management company did you open the doors to the brokerage? Uh, It was probably four years after that, you know, once I finally got my broker license and was able to do everything on my own. Um, So then after that point, I was like, I want to open up a separate real estate firm and actually have that to be developed and, you know, get agents under that portfolio there. I remember you telling me this in the past, and that's like another massive piece to this, is that you weren't a broker when you opened the property management company. You didn't have any real real estate experience besides your own transactions, and minimally, it sounds like. Correct. And you had to hire a managing broker. It's like there was a lot of hoops I'm sure you had to jump through and challenges you faced, and I'm sure you realized that very quickly after getting started. Yeah, correct. It's definitely a different world here <laughs> when you're in the real estate. Like once you're part of it, it's different. You can see it, but before then, like having nobody that I knew besides the agent I worked with to buy my house. Other than that, I mean, we just jumped into it. Like, I didn't have a plan B. There was no <laughs> additional, like, I mean, even like getting out of the Army, you know, doing my resume. I'm like, hey, I just, here it is. Let's go. I'm, I'm not doing anything. This is, this is what I'm doing. I'm jumping <laughs> in. Let's go. So how come you waited, like, four years to become a broker, just out of curiosity. Uh, you have to do have your affiliate broker license uh, three for three years. years. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So it took about four years to get that all in there. And then at that point is when I finally was like, hey, I want to open up a separate real estate firm to keep property management and real estate separate. And it took me about that long, too, to get good people in place in the property management company mm-hmm. to handle the day-to-day operations. So I wasn't totally, you know, inundated with those things. For sure. So I could focus on growing the real estate, you know, brand and firm, too. Okay. That makes sense. I, f- I don't know why in my brain I forgot there's like a three-year barrier. So when you basically opened the uh, property management company, you got licensed like right away. Correct. Okay, because you were working towards that goal knowing that when you decided you wanted to open up your own property management company initially, did you know that you had to have a managing broker? Uh, I did after, I mean, while I was researching it. You did. I figured it out. <laughs> so I had somebody in mind already that I had a, a friend at that point. I was kind of, his wife was doing it. So then I fell underneath their brokerage for the short term. Um, and then I was actually, she was going to get her broker license, but then she ended up actually getting out of the, the business altogether and moving mm. on something else. So, and then I was able to stay with that broker for a little while and then I had to get one more broker in between. <laughs> so I was able to do it all on my own. Oh my goodness. That's so, so cool. And so now you opened up the brokerage four years into business, you decided you well, you're, you had a franchise for the property management company, so they had to be separate companies anyway. You I could do real estate under the, the, the property management brokerage, um, but I just, I always wanted them to be separate, I see. to be two different things. Because to me, there are, I mean, they're in the same world of real estate, but they're different, different beasts. They are. They are. They serve different functions. And so why did you decide to open up a boutique brokerage and like, you had already experienced like having someone else's systems, like doing the franchise for the property management. And so why didn't you just do the same thing 
and like open open a Keller Williams or something for your own brokerage? Uh, I think knowing the on the boat the boutique side is, I mean, you have so much freedom that like you don't have to be under somebody else. And I think once you've been in the industry and you've learned, you know, certain things like you know what agents are looking for, you know how to do your forms. You don't have to have those whole big training packages that come from those big franchise. And then that way you have the flexibility to offer competitive, you know, broker splits sure. with your agents in that case. Because otherwise, I mean, you're kind of, you know, forbidden and you have to do certain things by their rules. And, yeah. of course, pay them, you know, certain percentages of things, too. So um, having been the, the franchise and the property management side, I understood all that worked. And I didn't want that to be part of the real estate side, not having to be and already having the knowledge at that point to be able to do it without, you know, assistance from those business in a box right. kind of deals. Yeah, that's cool. So I love that, too. I think um, we thought similarly, like we just adore our freedom. We don't want to be told what to do or how to do things. And that is the beauty of having your own brand and doing things your way is you just make it whatever you want. That's half the fun of it. For sure. So over time, you've surely worked with all sorts of different agents. You've probably worked with and had like newer agents on your team, as well as potentially more seasoned agents. And I'm sure you've seen it all. So I'm curious, in your opinion, what do you think it takes to be a successful real estate agent? Um, I think obviously in the industries in this independent contractor world, I mean, a lot does pertain to you doing what you do and not being overly supervised. Of course, asking for help if you need it. So you have to have a lot of internal drive, you know, to make things happen. So there's things you can do on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis to help you for your individual, you know, success and goals that you want to accomplish. But then, of course, if you've got some kind of, you know, business coaches or success coaches or at a brokerage where has that kind of support, they can help push you along and help direct you for those things if you're a brand new agent because you don't know what you don't know, you know, at that point. It's so true. Yeah. I mean, and that's the other thing is like, you can only learn so much. You can only go to so many classes. You can only be told how to do things so many times, but the other side of that coin is going out and doing it yourself. So having that drive and kind of, you have to tap into being a little bit fearless, like not letting that fear hold you back, being willing to make mistakes and kind of learn and fumble from those things. Correct. And I think that has a lot to do with the broker that you're a part of. Mm. I mean, they have to be supportive of that and, of course, you know, hold your hand along the way for certain things, but then let you free, you know, for other things, too. Yeah. Have you ever kind of coached an agent into that or, like, subtly told them, like, okay, it's time to, like, you know, spread your wings and fly, essentially? Right. And, I I mean, I've got some. I mean, she'll, like, contact me for every question she has. And I'm like, you got this. Like, you. Confidence. Yeah, they just don't have the confidence. I'm like, you've got it. I'm not telling you to change anything you just did. Just do it. You don't have to ask me every time you need to do something. Just just do it. It's helpful to hear that sometimes, though. I've been there. I've been the person that asks every little question and is unsure. And maybe I made a mistake before and I felt really bad for it. So like having that reassurance from like a coach or a broker, it's really, really nice to hear. It's a a good reminder. Um, On the flip side, you know, we talked about what does it take to be a successful real estate agent? But I'm curious over time, like, what have you seen mistake-wise? Like, what are some of the bigger mistakes or reoccurring mistakes that you've seen agents make that you maybe want to point out? Um, I used to tell people one of the biggest thing you can do is actually read the paperwork that you're filling out and sign and know it, what it means, what it says. Because most of your questions could be answered from your contract. 
but people don't even look at the contract that they're supposed to be experts on and then advising their clients over. They don't even read it. They don't even know what it says. They just have a fill in the blank, you know, example that they use and they put, you know, fill in the numbers, 10 days, five days, whatever. Yeah. And they don't read it and know what it means and know what the dates mean and know how the, the contract falls. You don't have to be a legal expert. Just read <laughs> the document. That is a really, really good one. And it's consistently been brought on the show. Jody said it. Not exactly that. Sheena said something similar. It's kind of like pay attention to the contract. Pay attention to the details. What is the information that you're putting into the contract? But you put it beautifully. It's like know what the contract says before you're even filling anything in. That's. I mean, you have time, you know, starting out as a new agent. You don't just get your license and then people are lined up at the front door ready to <laughs> do business. So you have time. Read your contracts. Read your most popular forms that are used. You know, your purchase and sales, your listing agreements, your, you know, VA, FHA addendum. Read those things and yeah. know what they mean and say. And, and people will help you. I mean, there's people love to give out information. So people will always help you, whether it's, you know, somebody at the title company, somebody in your firm, your broker. Mm-hmm. I mean, people love to educate. And especially if you come with that open mind about wanting to learn and be better at it. Yeah. Nobody's going to turn you away. Right. Yeah. If you come prepared with like questions and you're, you know, aware of what you're even asking and you're like, please help me with this. Everyone is going to be willing to help you without a doubt. So like I'm curious, your agents and you seem to have like a pretty good you have good communication. Like they feel open coming to you and you are more than willing to help them with any troubles that they have. Correct. For sure. So contracts is like one thing. I think a lot of agents get kind of nervous about the contracts and maybe that will even like hinder some people from actually taking action or taking on a client because they're like, it's really overwhelming. Right. They're really worried. For sure. (laughs) And that's why I try to tell people, I mean, every, every deal you do is different. Mm -hmm. So you might use some of the same forms, but there's going to be certain stipulations that are in there are going to be different. There's going to be certain timelines, whether you're dealing with a cash buyer, you know, VA, VA, Mm -hmm. FHA. So everyone is different. For sure. So you just have to be aware of what it is and know that you have support there for people. And I I mean, I try to tell you, there's no stupid questions. I mean, I'm not going to turn you away because you asked a question that you think or I think you might be stupid. But it's just like, if you don't know, you don't know. We just want it to be done. We want the contract to go through. We want the transaction to happen, you know, in a timely manner and everybody to be happy at the end and take right. the smiling photos. And <laughs> so that's what you just, we want that to happen. Everybody wants it. I mean, we all have the common goal of getting this, you know, whole transaction completed. Right. So yeah. we're all in the same, same boat. Yeah. That's a really good answer. I think making sure you know your contracts, reading them, studying them, being aware, that makes you a better agent already. Like, I'm sure there's so many folks that are writing contracts and aren't even completely sure what's in there. And, you know, there's ways to go about it that serves your clients best. And you might be doing your clients a disservice if you're unaware of what's actually in the client uh, in the contract. So do you that's a really good answer. Do you have any other mistakes that maybe you could share that someone could like become aware of? I mean, I think the most common thing is people just with their confidence level. Mm -hmm. And so I think the more you read these contracts, you know, the more well-versed you are in them. And I mean, I haven't felt the same way. I mean, I spent most of my time doing property management in my first few years. So a real estate transaction, like I felt like it slowed me down because I just wasn't well-versed in it. So that's when I was like, I need to start really getting through these things and reading these contracts and know exactly what we're writing in here. And 
I mean, I had one of the templates like everybody else probably does, you know, like, hey, these are the blocks you got to fill in, do yep. these certain things, put these timelines in there. Yeah. But like, why? You know, what is it? What does that really mean? Why do I have to do it for 30 days out? You know? Yep. Why? Why, why does the inspection period have to be this long? Well, how long does it take you to get a home inspector in there? So those are the things you got to just be aware of and know the reasoning why and not just fill in the blank. So then you become more comfortable with it. So then you can talk to your clients more about these things and feel more confident. You don't have to read the whole contract over to them, but if they got a specific question, you shouldn't just sit there and like, I'm not sure what that means. Yeah. It's right here on the paper in front of us. Why right. don't you know? Yeah. No, that's a great answer. I don't know why my brain went here, but I was wondering, like, as we're talking about like coaching agents and helping them navigate through their career and such. And so do your agents ever come to you with advice about like getting clients? Like, how do I get business? And what do you kind of say to them? There are, and there's a lot of them. And then we, of course, we've done the, the online, you know, pay for leads things, which none of them have seemed to work out really well. Um, there were a lot of them were just junk leads you would get. So, of course, I was paying for those. And then you have agents not even trying to reach out to people because, you know, one in, you know, 100 of them are good leads. Mm. So then they get frustrated. So they miss the one good lead because they just gave up on the system. Right. Um, and we tell them there's, I mean, there's always multiple things people do. Sit at open houses. You can go door knocking. You can hang flyers. You can, you know, there's ways you can do things without spending a lot of money, of course, which is as a new agent you don't want to do. Right. But it's just sitting down with people and people that have done it because people have had ses- successful careers at doing very specific things like that. I know several agents that did very well just hosting open houses, hosting yep. other people's open houses. Yeah. So it wasn't even like their own to just call you up. Hey, can I do an open house this weekend? And so if it's available, it's I mean, it helps me out. It helps them out. So a lot of people have done that for their career. And it doesn't cost you anything but some time. But some people just don't want to put forth the time and effort to it. And that goes back to. The drive that the individual has to have also. also. I can't just make you go do these things if you're not willing to do it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, of course. It's like all about what are you willing to put into it. And we kind of advise our agents, like, pick, like, one, definitely no more than three methods that you want to focus on for gaining your clientele. Like, that way you're not jumping around too much and having inconsistent action and your, you know, focus is being diluted and such because – you pick open houses and you pick like pop-ups or something like business pop-ups, like just do that and just do it enough. And then eventually you'll see results. If you host two open houses and you don't get all these clients from your two open houses, like just stick with it. Do it for two months. Do it for four months every weekend. Do two of them a weekend. And then you will end up seeing results. Just have the faith and the confidence in yourself to keep going. And even social media. I mean, doing mm-hmm. things on social media. For I mean, sure. You can ask other agents if you can advertise their listings for them. Most of them are going to say yes because it's more exposure for their for their listing. So that helps you get out there. But it takes time. You have to know what format you're looking to do, which platform you're looking to put it on. And, like, once again, you don't need to be on all of them. But you have to put forth effort and know that platform, whether you're doing something on Instagram, Facebook. I mean, you have to know what that is and know how to market to it, you know, appropriately. Yeah, that's another really, really big one. Like we do always advise that, um, you know, our agents brand themselves online because it makes you it makes it so someone can find you. If you have no presence online, you don't have a Facebook page, you don't have a Google page and you're virtually a ghost online, like you are missing out on several opportunities just from being a ghost. Essentially, no one's going to be able to find you. So that's a really good tip. This Another train of thought I had was like, what? advice do you give to like 
someone who's a part-time agent. So someone that has a job because we're talking about spending time doing things. And of course, if you don't have money to spend on marketing, like hiring a cold caller or doing postcards or whatever it is that you're spending money on buying leads, you need to spend time. And so if you have a job and you don't have a lot of money and you don't have a lot of time, what do you suggest for those folks? I mean, I think even having a part-time, I mean, if, so if you've got a full-time job and you're doing real estate part-time, I think it's a great, because you might have clients now that are with you at your current, you know, occupation where you're working at. True. So for example, I have a military guy, full-blown military active duty on there in our firm. And sometimes he can't do anything. So then, you know, somebody else in the firm is there to help him for if we've got to do showings that time where he can't do it. Of course, on the weekends he could, but then sometimes during the week he can't. So even just having somebody to do that and just having, you know, another person that you can link up with, whether or not necessarily being like a perfect, you know, on a team type thing, just somebody, hey, are you willing to take a percentage of this for a referral fee? If you can help me out with this buyer I have like during the week, you know, do showings for me, those kind of things. So it works out great for us and our firm to do that with people that are willing to do, you know, those kind of things for other individuals in the firm. I mean, of course, they're going to do it for a small little fee, but that's um, awesome. It helps there because then a lot of these people that their clients are getting are coming from their, you know, folks they work with in the military. So. Yeah, that is, seems to be a really good one. The folks that I know that were like in the military and a real estate agent, I mean, that just like you're getting constant because especially people in the military are like moving and coming and going. And so, yeah, that's really great. And then like squatting up with your team. And of course, that's like another really good thing about a boutique brokerage or like a smaller brokerage, I think, is that you feel like you can call on the people there. I think that people have like a stronger relationship. If you're at like a bigger brokerage and you're like a newer agent or you're part time and you're not there a lot, you might not feel really comfortable doing that. But it's great to be able to call on the folks that are in your office if you feel comfortable doing that. Yeah, no doubt. Or offering a referral. Like hardly anybody's going to turn that down. So No, not at all. <laughs> and that's what I mean. A lot of people are like, hey, can you help me out? And they might not even attend for that to be, but most of them will, you know, at least put some kind of percentage to them to help them out. I'm curious for somebody who maybe doesn't like to talk to people or isn't particularly good at sales, what advice would you give that type of person? I can tell you every person, you just need to be yourself. Mm. Um, that's a very key thing because people know when you're not genuine. And so I had a new agent. He asked me, he's like, what should I wear? Should I wear like a tie and suit? And I said, do you normally wear a suit and tie? <laughs> so if you're not comfortable with that, then you're not going to be comfortable and people can feel that. Yeah. So if you're showing houses and you've got you know, a tie on and that's not your normal attire, you're not going to feel comfortable and people are going to pick up on that. So I tell people, you just have to be yourself, be genuine. And not everybody has to walk into a house and talk about the coffered ceilings and, you know, all the specifics about it. That's and because that's not what I do. I mean, I'll walk into a place and, you know, say, hey, here you go. Three bedroom, two bath, 1,850 square feet. Here's the price. Go through those things. I'm not, you know, naming off all the granite countertops and, you know, the, the $400 sink, you know, those things. They don't they're not important to me. So they might be important to somebody else. But I can give you the list of features of the house. But that's not how I talk about it. And that's not what I look for. So when we look through the house, you know, we just are, I'm looking, you know, trying to gauge their reaction on how they feel inside the place. And if you're all, you know, tied up on every single little detail in the house, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to engage your clients as you're going through the place. Yeah, that's great. I think that's kind of like 
old school to like point out all the features and like really sell it. But you don't even know if that matters or not to your clients. And, you know, you might just be wasting everybody's time. Do you personally do your own listings and work with buyer clients at this point? Uh, somewhat. It's usually like uh, personal referrals um, for somebody that's, you know, my wife knows somebody and they're like, hey, they're looking for a house. So then, you know, I'll do it. But I'm not the one, you know, taking leads off, you know, from nowhere that I don't know any which way or form. Yeah. Um, from that, usually we're sending them to the agents within the firm. Sure. So. Okay. For a newer agent, um, well, earlier in your business, you must have been doing that, though. Correct. When you were a broker, even. Yep. Yeah. I I wondered if like a lot of clientele that you had maybe early on just came like naturally because of the property management company or were you hustling for that business? Um, it was a little bit bo both. Yeah. And that's where like, I mean, most of the stuff was built off the property management. Of course, you know, eight, nine years ago, the equity in the homes weren't, you know, gaining dramatically like they are, you know, the last few years. Mm -hmm. So I knew that those folks had no options, but to rent it out for a few years and then we could sell it. And so that's what for me, the way I looked at it, property management helped build the real estate because now I've taken care of your house for three, four, five years. So then if I can let you know, like, hey, we're real estate agents also. We can sell your house when it comes comes time. So at the end of every lease, we're kind of, you know, reaching out to them saying, hey, what are your intentions? What are you looking at doing? If they came from a referral from another agent from us, then we send it back to that agent. But other than that, you know, we just talk to them and say, hey, we can do it. We're licensed real estate agents, which I found was pretty odd that a lot of people didn't know. You have to be a real estate agent to do property management. Yeah. So, I mean, just the general population doesn't necessarily know that. I know. No, it's true. I've come across that myself, too. That's cool. I love how they intertwine and how they support one another. And, you know, that makes you a powerful resource for your clients because you can go either way, just depending on their situation and what they need and such. Um, I'm wondering, like, you mentioned earlier on that someone or many people told you, like, why are you going to open up another property management company? There's already property management companies here. Like, it sounds like they were thinking, like, that's not what we need or you're not going to get any business. And obviously, even now, there's even more and it continues to be more and more companies and more and more brokerages and more and more agents. And it's a hot market and there's a lot of competition. So can you, you know, speak on that a little bit, maybe how you navigated it early on in your career or, you know, how you advise people to now? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely it is. I mean, and there's, I mean, if we, were, we get the weekly updates about how many agents there are in Clarksville and I mean, it continues to grow and you just, you're like, why do we have this many agents in town? Um, and a lot of them just don't do any business. You know, you've got some that do a lot, some that hardly do any. Um, so I just think it's, you know, finding what you're good at and where you can reach out and you're going to be in a, a competitive market with somebody else. Somebody else is probably already doing those things. It's, you're not going to find something new you created, but you can find something different and how you put a twist on what is already being done. And people's drive just changes over the years. So if you've been doing something for five years and it's been working for you, you're not looking for new innovative ways if you've been happy with what you're doing. True. So if you can turn back and look at those things and even just re-engage some of those old ways of doing things and looking at how those things worked out for other people, then you can re-energize, you know, doing those things. Um because, I mean, people get comfortable. I mean, if you've been doing something for a while and you've been successful at it, you just get comfortable and lackadaisical and, you know, you know, have that drive to keep pushing. So I just, you know, people just look at that and find out where do you see the hole? Like what made you want to get into real estate? 
you know, what was your driving factor for that? Did you not like the agent you work with and thought you could do better? You know, those are the kind of things like what made you want to get into real estate? You just thought it was easy money, maybe? I don't know. So Couldn't be more wrong there. Correct. You have such a business mindset. Like the you're talking about innovation. You're talking about finding a need in the marketplace. Like those that's those are the things that a true businessman says. And I think that a lot of the time agents are not necessarily looking at their real estate career as a business or as a like um treating it like a business basically mm-hmm. is what I'm getting at. It's kind of like a side hustle. They might even be sloppy with like bookkeeping or, you know, keeping their records clean and tight. And I think in order to be a successful agent, like you said, you have to be forward thinking, you have to innovate and you have to, because as you mentioned, there's more and more and more real estate agents in our local market. You need to set yourself apart somehow. Right. And this, I mean, you start usually with your little influence that you have, you know, with you personally, what you know, your circle, your sphere of influence, however you want to call it. So those are the people that, you know, you are reaching out to. And and I always tell people, like, if you started in real estate, how do you tell other people that's what you do? You can do Facebook posts and you want to do things, you know, you don't want to be annoying about it and always asking for business. But like, how do people know you are a real estate professional that they can do business with if you don't tell them? You have to tell them. Yeah. So people don't know if you're not doing it. So even, I mean, I would do like this silly post on Facebook about, you know, that. So everybody's like, oh, he's talking about real estate. I wasn't marketing myself, but I'm talking about real estate. So mm-hmm. people, you stay in top of the mind. And I realize a lot of people don't even keep up with the clients that they've had previously. That was the biggest challenge I saw when I first started out because usually people were talking to us about property management. So I look and say, who was their agent when they bought the house? And I say, hey, how come you don't talk to this person? Um, they're like, oh, I haven't talked to them in four years. Hmm. So they spend all this money on marketing to get new clients, but they don't spend anything on the current clients they have to try to keep those folks. And just the same thing. I mean, if you're sending out little cards or that, just same, hey, the biggest, you know, compliment you can give me is a referral. So they might have somebody else. So now you've got your client base pushing out and getting you more clients just because you're they're aware and you're top of mind for them. Yeah, you did a good job. And so now they're going to want to, recommend you and going back to your inner circle and you know you really if you can be likable and people can trust you and you're authentic like we were speaking about earlier it's like people are going to naturally gravitate to you because of those characteristics that you possess and then you're not asking every day if they want to buy a house you're not shoving it in their face but maybe even just like snapping a photo of you at an open house or you know on your way to do anything real estate related or just a meme or whatever it is. So it's more subtle. I think people really like that nowadays anyway, sharing and watching other people's lives online. That's just the day and age that we live in. And so just, you don't even have to make content, um, something that you put a lot of thought into. You can just snap something that you're doing in the moment and just make it easy and simple. I mean, it's all simple. I mean, I know that stuff, you know, cost a lot of money to do. I mean, you could be at a showing and see an old, you know, rotary phone hanging on the wall. (laughs) You snap a picture. I was like, I haven't seen this since, you know, the 90s. Right. And so it's, you're telling people, hey, I'm out showing houses, but you're not in their face. Like, hey, pick me to come show a house for you. Yeah. Yeah. Because realtors, I think, can get a bad rep just from sometimes being in your face too much. And then they feel like you're, you know, you're, you're turning them off and 
they don't want to work with you. And it goes to your personality and your style. Like, I mean, I'm kind of a sarcastic, you know, humorous, dry sense of humor type person. So when I put those things out, you know, that's what comes across. It's not just, hey, Larry's looking for business. It's Larry's being silly and being himself. <laughs> Which is good. Right. We love that. I definitely love being silly. That's for sure. I'm curious, um, like, you've been in the business for some time, a, a good amount of time. And so, like, you're still in the community. You're doing various things. You're still going very strong in your business. So what keeps you motivated personally to essentially, you know, to keep on keeping on? And I think a lot of it is being, you know, when you do things in the community, you see, you know, good things happening. So you don't do it because, you know, you're trying to get your name out there. You're trying to do it because you want to be helpful. So I think those things never go away, whether you're doing community service projects or part of these organizations that do a lot of, you know, things for the community also. Um, so I think that helps. And, of course, you got to find something that's near and dear to you. So, I mean, I'm part of like the Montgomery County Veterans Coalition. So that's a group, of course, being a veteran, you know, I love what they do. So those are the things, you know, you just participate in and you give your time back to the community that's helped support you, you know, through this whole, you know, time in your business. So just continue on and just, I don't think you ever want to stop being helpful, you know. And so I like everybody, you know, you got to go to networking events and, you know, networking groups. And so you participate in those things, but it's, you know, kind of just to say hello to people for that. But, you know, doing things that are meaningful in your community. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, these civic organizations or, you know, church or anything like that. Yeah. And you've obviously seen Clarksville change over the years and it's like such a special place. And there really is still, even though it's grown so much, such a strong sense of community here. And it feels good to give back to the community. I think it also feels good to be an entrepreneur in this city because you can be. Like, you can go ahead and start a business or, you know, have a smaller side hustle or be a realtor or do whatever you want to do, and you can be successful. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, this is a great community and it has, you know, all the support and it's such a huge melting pot of everybody because there's hardly anybody that's from Clarksville, right. you know, or they may have been born here, but... You know, they've only been here for a short amount of time. Right. So it's not like, you know, third generation family. So, I mean, I think having that and just obviously military affiliation helps with a lot of people. So you, you know, come across all different types of people and cultures and people from all over the world. So it's definitely a great plus to be in this type of community. So cool. So, so cool. I was thinking like one, one thing I want to know how you do, I want to know personally how do you do this? And I'm sure everybody would want to know too, but like, how do you stay organized? You have a lot of different things you're working on, you know, business wise, you're running two businesses, you do auctions, you are also in your community. And we mentioned earlier, like when you're a real estate agent and you're running a business, like staying organized is a key metric to not only staying focused in your day to day, but making sure nothing's slipping through the cracks, making sure your, you know, your files are organized and such. And so, you know, how do you do it? What are what's some advice? Uh, lots of good apps on my phone. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I have a lot of good people, too. I mean, I have a lot of great folks that work with me um, in the in the companies, whether it's the agents or actually employees I have on the property management side. So they keep me well organized and they're handling the day-to-day -day operations and, you know, taking the phone calls and booking appointments and those things. So, um, I mean, I use my calendar to death. Everything is on there with notes. And uh, I use a lot of the Google products. Uh, Google Tasks is another one I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with. 
Like I, all my contracts, I'll put in there under that Google task and put exactly what timelines and dates. Um, and I know a lot of people use their you know, software for that too, but I just like seeing it on there. And it's, I got an app on my phone. I got it on my computer. It's all linked up, synced up. That's uh, great. People in my office have access to all that stuff so they can always see it. Mm. So is that kind of like reminders? It, it sounds kind of like reminders. And it's, you can put on their task and put like a date next to it when it's due. That's cool. Um, and it just puts everything on there. I put all the particulars on the contract. You know, it takes me five minutes to go through the contract, pull all the pertinent data, put it on there. So I know exactly. And it might not mean anything to anybody else. It might say, you know, 10, 5, 1, which I know what that means. You know, <laughs> 10 days for the inspection, five days resolution period, you know, one day for the final, you know, walkthrough. But those are the kind of things, you know, I pull out from there just so we know that everybody's tracking along those timelines. Especially when you have like multiple people working together, you got to make sure everybody's like on the same page. Do you have a TC or like an in-house TC? I had an admin uh, not too long ago that she just, um, Mm. she was having some medical issues, but yeah, she did all that stuff Mm. for me and kept up with everything. So put a little bit more on my plate from then, but yeah, she she would make things happen that, you know, I just, they just happen. Like, Get Larry show up at closing. You know, that was you know, kind of how it was. Are you going to so, get another one? Maybe at some point. Are we in the market? for Maybe, a- <laughs> maybe get one of these young agents to help them learn, you know. I love that. That's great. Um, okay. I don't know if you'd feel comfortable sharing this, and I don't know what would come to mind if I ask you this, but, like, I think of a time when you were, like, serving a client, either listing uh, their home or helping them buy a house, like a mistake that you made that was like a turning point like a ow that hurt and I will never do that again Uh, I can't think of anything specific but I mean I'm one of those people though like if I'm gonna even if I have to eat something from it eat some of the money like I'm gonna make it right yeah and so I've done that Uh, we've had to and I mean even in the property management side you know somehow a carpet cleaning got missed so then we've got to pay for it out of pocket, you know. Yeah. So I'm I want to make it right to make sure everybody's happy, whether or not it means you know me taking a little bit less from the get go. I'm going to make the situation right. Yeah. So that's always been how I've thought through these things. Yeah, it it can be challenging. I mean, you're juggling so many different things. I'm sure like having systems like you just mentioned and. Uh, processes to manage the various things that you have going on will help eliminate making those mistakes. But I'm sure we've all we've all been there. We've all done something. I was just curious if anything came to mind. And part of that, I mean, it's like, I mean, like you said, always the entrepreneurial mindset. Like, yeah. I mean, I want to have like a separate maintenance company mm. that everything falls underneath for like a handyman, carpet cleaning and cleaning. So that'll help us because we're now we're using you know, outside vendors. So if they tell me I can't get there till Friday, they can't get there till Friday. But if I have a carpet cleaner in house, I say, hey, we got to be out there today. We move things around to make it happen. So. How many doors do you think that you'd need to have until you would go ahead and, like, cultivate something like that? Uh, I don't even know if it takes a certain amount. I mean, I think we're at the point now where it could be beneficial for us. I mean, the amount of turnovers we have going in and out. So maybe not a full-blown, you know, 20-person team yet, but at least having the carpet cleaner, cleaner, <laughs> the bare handyman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I, I can feel that. It's like they say in property management that, um, well, I've heard because I'm very young in the game and learning that the maintenance is like the killer. Like that's everything. Like 
finding the clientele is easy. Like finding the tenants is easy. But when it comes to like handling work orders and maintenance, like that's the killer. Maintenance will make or break you yeah. in those situations because everybody, you know, feels like it's not being taken care of fast enough. Of course, when it's 95 degrees outside and your air conditioner goes out, I mean, you want somebody there now. And of course, you don't always have that flexibility to get somebody out there now, depending on if the property could be under home warranty. So then you got to go through that process. That takes, you know, a few days to get things going. And so you just got to have things aware and be, you know, in that situation. And so even if like you may have a couple portable AC units on hand. So now you're keeping the tenants still a little bit happy, even though they're not fully, you know, got their whole air conditioner work. At least you're not leaving them out there in the heat, you know, for 90, you know, degree weather. Is that just like a window unit? We have multiple. We have window units and floor units we take mm. as portable units. And so once again, to me, I was like, that's something I don't mind purchasing and keeping on hand to keep tenants happy because then it keeps everybody happy, you know, throughout this whole process. Because that's just, you're just trying to keep people as happy as you can. Yeah. And it's hard because you're the bad guy. Correct. It's like the AC breaks, which wasn't your fault, but you are responsible for mending the situation kind of like don't shoot the messenger yeah or you have the people that you know the ac went out you know on friday night and then they tell you tuesday morning it's been out for four days mm. and you're like why didn't you tell me friday right so and they're mad at us that's been out for four days like i had nothing to do with this yeah i i it's 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 tricky property management is um definitely for a certain type of person it does take a certain individual and I, I don't know I guess I I mean I've almost been 10 years now doing it so I mean I always looked at people that were in the business when I first started and I was like they look like old crusty people <laughs> and I'm like is that the mentality or did property management make them that way yeah so. and what what's the answer uh, I think that's <laughs> the way they were because I don't feel like I'm old and crusty so <laughs> it doesn't get the best of you you just Has have it? to have the right systems back to that I'm hasn't sure. turned me uh, into that person yet so old and crusty <laughs> i was wondering like being entrepreneurial you do you like and you mentioned like opening up an, your own like maintenance kind of division f and organizing that I, it's like do you that made me think do you like consider yourself to be someone that has a lot of ideas and then like do you have to decipher whether or not to act on them like this isn't worth my time or like turn down opportunities ever i think so i mean you kind of look at the whole you know sphere of what you're working on and so like me because property management was my main thing i focused on like i like being able to have things that branch off of that so to me it's almost natural to have you know the real estate brokerage that's a branch have a maintenance you know that's another branch yeah and so those things to me come naturally from that. I mean, I would only focus on those things. Um, and I like building things and then having good people in place to run them from that point forward. And you're just kind of directing it and not really, you know, involved into everything. Once you get it running, you got systems in place and everything's, you know, rocking and rolling at that point. Yeah. So I like to do that because, I mean, I always see like I'd like to have a maintenance manager. I'd help set it up, get in place, get everything going. And then, hey, this is your baby. You run it. Yeah, definitely. That's a good point. I like the idea of having uh, companies that can kind of be sister companies and can help one another. And it just makes sense that way. Because if you're doing things in different like industries or different areas, then your vision can get diluted. I'm curious, how do you make sure that you're going in the right direction when it comes to your businesses and like either the growth or like the vision? You know what I mean? Like setting goals for yourself and and the reason I'm asking is because when it comes to our agents, we 
advise them to set a 10-year, a one-year, and then like quarterly goals so that they can have like structure to know that they're going, they know where they're going. Right. And so what is your kind of process for doing that? And I guess it depends on the kind of person and who you are. I mean, I know a lot of people need written out things and I think I have a lot of that just sitting in my head. Mm. So it's not necessarily written out like as a time frame plan, sure. but being able to look. And I, I don't know, I always feel like I'm not emotionally tied in to everything that I do. So like I can step back and see things from different perspective and I'm not afraid to say, like, hey, this is not going the right way. We need to, you know, shift course, push this a little bit and do that. And you talk with your people you have in, on your team. And, you know, maybe they have a justification on why we're trying to do it this way. And because, I mean, the folks I have, I mean, I've had several people for, you know, multiple years now. And so I trust their judgment. And so we sit down and talk about things. And if it's not the way the route we're looking to go, then maybe maybe it's something we try out for a short term and see what happens. Um, but just to talk about it and be open and not being, you know, overly criticizing of them because you want people to come up with ideas. Yeah. But if you're, you know, shoot them down or like, no, we're not doing that because it's my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. I'm always I want people to be able to come up and say things and, you know, bring up things that could help us as an organization get better. Yeah. So that's the way I look at things and being able to step back and just look at it from different perspectives. And I'm always trying to think like, what if Larry was totally removed from this whole situation? How would things still operate? Mm. And I've always felt that even from the military, like you're not that important that things can't run without you. Yeah. And you should never, I don't, I'm not that important. Nobody should be that important that if you're not there for a year, everything just falls apart. Yeah. So It's so true. And obviously when, if you're a business owner and you're running a business and that's like crucial to making sure that, it's not dependent on you and that it can thrive without you, whether that's just because something happens to you or just because you want to have that freedom later in life or whenever, as soon as possible, obviously, to kind of do what you want when you want, whether that's working or going on vacation, I guess, whatever it is, just having the ability to choose and kind of not be a slave to the business and also know that it wouldn't crumble should something happen. Right. That's, I think, starting out. I mean, I learned early on just that people you know, all your like doctors and chiropractors and all those things. I mean, yeah, they have successful businesses, but they can't leave. Right. If they're not there, their people are not showing up. They don't have patience. So either you have to, you know, build it. We have other people come working with you or be able to fill in for short periods. And other than that, I mean, you're just a high paying employee. You yeah, know? for sure. No, 100 percent. And same with agents, though. And like, that's why we're really big. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this about like investing in rental properties because it, you can do other things. Like, of course, that's not the only answer, but being in this industry, it like makes sense because you have those opportunities presented to you and you should be an expert in this industry. So what do you think about agents like investing into their future through rental properties? And I think honestly, it's a great way to go. And obviously that's how I started out is having a rental property, you know, that got me to where I am today from everything that was going on because of that one rental property we had. So I definitely think, you know, agents should be, you know, in that process. And I thought it was even amazing that some agents that have never even purchased their own house, you know, so I'm like, how do you tell people like this is what you need to do? This is the whole process. And if you're not even fully familiar with the whole process because you've never been through it, not yeah. that you have to. But I mean, obviously, it helps that you've been through it and you understand what it's like to be a buyer and feel what's going on and feel what it means to go through these timelines and meet all these you know requirements you need. So 
um, it's definitely a way to go and you should be, you know, more in tune to it because you're going to meet and talk to people. And that's, if you understand it and you're an investor yourself, now you can talk, you know, intelligently with other investors because you know the lingo, you know what they're going to be talking about because it's a different world just being a real estate agent than being, you know, investor friendly real estate agent. It's a different world. It certainly is. And, you know, not everybody has like, a military background despite where we live and not everybody has like I don't know you know like I think more times than not people don't necessarily have a plan for the future and you as a real estate agent are on a hamster wheel because if you get off the wheel then the income stops and you know it's just securing your future because if you don't want to work forever and also being a real estate agent never really necessarily gets easy it might get easier but you're still putting a lot of effort and work into your job even if you have systems so we advise we talk about it a lot here we're very investment friendly and we just like encourage agents to be conscious of it anyway and at least like put that in your brain like that you do need a plan as a real estate agent to retire eventually yeah for sure because it's not one of these professions where you've got a 401k matching type thing so you you have to look out for yourself in the future i mean if you want to keep doing it when you're 70 years old i mean hey go for it but not us we want (laughs) to you know get there get things going and be able to you know enjoy our you know senior years and enjoy and see the world type thing so yeah, definitely rental property. I mean, even if you're only, you know, cash flow is a little bit tighter, you know, nowadays just based on what people are paying for homes and rents. So, but as long as you're, it's positive and because there's all the other, you know, factors that, you know, with your taxes and everything else that helps you through that. But even if you're just cash flowing a small amount each month, it's better than nothing and it'll just grow exponentially. And as you grow your portfolio, as you continue to get the property for longer and longer, it's going to cash flow more and more because you can charge more and more for rent. So, <laughs> I don't know. It sounds perfect, like a great thing. And you might even talk to people that just might be in a specific situation where they're trying to get out of something quickly. If you're there and you can help them and not take advantage of them, but just help them and make it make sense for everybody, hey, it makes – why not get into it? But if you're not ready to make those kind of position, you know, bids, you, you just – so you got to be ready. You got to be in a position and, and be knowledgeable and, and be willing to do it too. And then yeah. sometimes you just take a jump. Yeah. Very, very true. I love that you are sometimes directly presented with those opportunities. And if you aren't, like you said, ready to take that on, then you're inevitably just going to pass it off to somebody else who is. And you want that. You want to be able to secure yourself. Like I think that a lot of agents get into the business for various different reasons, but I think that like freedom and being able to be your own boss and then the possibility of large commission checks is probably the main driving factor that people do get into the industry. And so if freedom is important to you, then just know that if you're going to be a slave of the business forever, then you're not really going to have freedom because we all know that being an agent is tough and you're working around the clock. And I think that's what I mean. People <laughs> misunderstand freedom, what it really means. Mm. They think that, you know, they can just be lazy and not have to do anything. And that's not what freedom means. I mean, freedom means like I can go to my kids, grad, you know, kindergarten graduation thing because I can free up my own schedule. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to be working, you know, 1030 at night to try to do something to make it happen. So I, I kind of want to just like end on this note. And maybe it's just because it's like really in my heart. And I just met with one of my agents who is like, also feeling this and 
I'm just curious what kind of wisdom you could share. Having a business, being an entrepreneur, and then having like a family is really challenging. And, you know, I'm certainly navigating through this. I have a two and a half year old. And so it's like a stressful time anyway. And then just like trying to figure out some sort of a balance because you can't be 100% in both. Like one side's going to have to give. And that's obviously going to flip flop over the years, I'm sure, like where you put your attention more or less. But what kind of wisdom can you share about how to navigate through that balance? And of course, it's, you know, a lot of things depending on the family situation. Um, but there's a, a famous photo I had like floating around on Facebook. Like I'm processing owner payments at, you know, 1030 at night where we're on family movie night at home. And I've got a headlamp on. I'm sitting at a table <laughs> by the in the living room doing these payments while everybody else is watching, you know, the movie. So I'm I'm there halfway, you know, participating. But it's just the time, you know, you got to do what you got to do when the time is available. And then obviously, you know, if you've got younger kids or certain schedules, so you can do some of your admin stuff after they go to bed uh, or wake up early in the morning. You know, it's just finding where it works for you and your schedule. And I've always, I mean, the military's drilled into me to be an early, you know, riser. So I'm always up before anybody, you know, even thinks about getting up in my house. Yeah. So it gives me a lot of quiet time to do some of those admin tasks, whether you want to do your social media, you know, post or, you know, scheduling, those kind of things. So those things you can get done. Um, But yeah, it's definitely, but you want to, you're doing it because you want your family, you know, to be involved and you want to be involved with your family for certain things. So, um, and it's always a thing too, is agents always say, whenever you go on vacations, when you're the most busy, you know, as soon as you say, Hey, I'm going out of town for a little while. then now you've got all these people lined up. So obviously it's the same thing. We go on vacation early in the morning, I'm knocking out stuff. And then we do our family time during the day, then the evening, you know, I'm knocking out some more admin stuff. So it's just the lifestyle. Correct. I guess it really, there really is no answer to it because mm-hmm. you don't get to clock out. Like you're not done for the day and then you go home and you're just not thinking of anything. You are solely responsible for making sure that the business is like going in the right direction and it's growing or maybe not solely responsible, but it is on your shoulders and it's like a trade-off. Like you do get freedom, but you also need to do whatever it takes, which at times is going to result in you processing payments on family movie night. And I can tell you a lot of people don't, I mean, I've gotten better over it over the years, but like I always was thinking about what I could do in the business. So like I never turned it off, which, you know, became an issue when that's all you think about is, you know, what could I do better? What could I do more? What could I do this? So that you got to kind of, you know, I've now gotten more used to that and not always trying to do more, 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 more. So um, that's one thing too, early on starting out, you're always thinking like, what can I keep doing? What? And so you will never turn it off because you want your business to be successful. You want to set on the right path, you know, for those instances. So. so does that result in you just dialing it back and not looking for more and more and more or what what is what is the answer to that? I think then? a lot of it is just trying to I mean get other people involved, mm. and of course I know it's different for individual agent, but then yeah. I mean, that's where you can start to see what can you do in the future. Um, whether you want to create your own team, where you've got you know because some people just I don't don't like going out showing houses. Like some people are really good. I know there's husband and wives teams. The wife always goes out and does all the showings. The husband does all the paperwork, you know, so you got to find what works out for you. And you might even have somebody else in your brokerage like, hey, can we just work together? I mean, not necessarily official team name, but like, hey, can I do this? Maybe you're available on the weekends. I'm not. So That's just teaming good. up with somebody. That's really good. Don't do it alone, basically. Correct. Like 
tap into other people, build those relationships, even if it's not a spouse. That's a really good nugget. Like lean into your team and do it together. Like you go farther when you go together. Right. If you want to go quicker, you can go solo, but then you're going to get that burnout. You're making all those sacrifices. But if you want to go further, like tap into your community, tap into your team. Yep, definitely. I mean, <laughs> folks are there. I mean, somebody else is in your exact situation, but might be opposite of what your timelines are. So you might find the perfect person to be able to team up with. That's wise. That's a good nugget. Thank you for coming on and thank you for providing all this value. And I really appreciate your time today. You're welcome. (laughs) 